0: Are you looking for a podcast where you can hear from real people regarding their real dental drama? If so, then you've come to the right place. Join hosts Bethany Petty and Dr. Rena Kuba as we dive into the solutions we've created and the mistakes we've made while managing dental drama. Let's get started. Happy July 4th. I hope you guys are having a fantastic holiday weekend. As we are at another holiday, I wanted to take some time to talk about a subject that I get asked about quite frequently, which is what I call kind of some HR basics. Holiday pay, vacation pay, um, do employees get paid for team meetings, do they get paid for training that's required of them, all of those HR basic questions can not only come up once, but oftentimes we forget the answer or each time a holiday or a meeting rolls around, we're coming back to this HR question. So I wanted to just spend a few minutes today giving you guys some real basic breakdowns on some HR principles. So holidays, here we are on July 4th and so many clients struggle with what is typical on holiday pay. So I will tell you most commonly, there are between six and eight holidays that employers choose to pay for in the dental field. If it's six, then the most common six are New Year's Day, Memorial Day in May, July 4th today, and then Labor Day, Thanksgiving Day, and Christmas Day so i have found that to be kind of the foundational holiday pay most employees are eligible for that holiday pay after they pass their 90-day period again this is what's typical i do have some clients that tend to stretch that out a little bit and they want the employee to wait a little bit longer And I think that's okay. Um, It's not usually a make or break deal with getting an employee. But at the same time, my thought is, um, you know, this is one of the easy ways for us to be generous and to allow that employee to be paid on a closed holiday. So I recommend the 90-day waiting period and then they're eligible for holiday pay. Now, keep in mind, you can choose to do the typical six-day holiday, or I've got several that are closed for a couple days at Thanksgiving and sometimes a couple or more days at Christmas time. So, if you have a um, eight-day paid holiday system, it is normally, of course, New Year's Day, Memorial Day, July 4th, Labor Day in September, two days at Thanksgiving, and two days at Christmas. So between six and eight is what I would call the most typical holiday pay arrangement. If your office is closed for a week at the end of the year, then ideally your employee has the ability to earn some paid time off. So this is separate from holiday pay. Paid time off is something that they can accrue throughout the year. Historically, we broke these into two different categories, vacation pay and sick pay. And it drives me crazy. I don't necessarily love to track both. I tend to like to lump these into one category called paid time off that really encompasses both sick and and vacation. Whatever the time is needed for, that's what the time can be used for. So what's most common from a PTO standpoint? So most PTO does not start accruing or is not able to be earned by the employee until they have been there between six and 12 months is the most common amount of time. Um, Again, this is not a make or break deal. If you don't have paid time off that they can earn, That is a make or break deal. Most people want to have the ability to take off for a few days throughout the year, whether that's for vacation or sick time, and know that they have an earned benefit that covers that day off. So if you do not have a paid time off policy in place, it should absolutely be incorporated into your practice from a retention standpoint. I have had employees leave my clients' offices and go to other offices because there was not a paid time off uh, benefit there, or it was a very weak benefit. So this is just one of those areas that you can, again, really earn employee retention by having a really great PTO policy. So I'll give you kind of the normal limits here as well. So anywhere between six and 12 months is the waiting period. And usually for that first year um, or the first six months, the employee can start to earn or accrue up to four days of PTO. Now, you'll hear me say the term accrue. Some will get to the six-month waiting period, and these four PTO days are kind of dumped on on their availability or on their paycheck. They're available at six months. That is not an accrual. That is simply a gift of those four days that can then be used at any point past that six months. Some people set up their PTO to accrue over a period of time. So, for example, if at six months the employee can start to accrue four PTO days, then usually they would accrue one PTO day per quarter. What's the purpose in that? Essentially, the purpose is so that the employee, when they get to that six-month mark, will not take all four PTO days, go on their lovely vacation and then bail on you um, that's really the point of an accrual now if you set it up in a, in an accrual format and let's say at a year end they did have a one week vacation planned they've essentially if they started earning at six months they've essentially only earned two days of pto Some employers will allow their employee to essentially go negative or go into a deficit with their PTO, uh, meaning they are going to go ahead and front load the four days, but ultimately the employee then owes the practice two of those days. By the time they work an additional three months, they would have paid one of those days off. When they work the final three months, they will have paid all of those PTO days back essentially. However, if they were to leave, then you you would have to have this all written in your policy manual and very, very clear. If you have front-loaded days that they technically had not earned yet, then they would owe you that out of their paycheck. And so that would be your way of recouping if you did not retain that employee past um, 18 months. Uh, So it's normally after the first year, between four and eight days is regular, um, or what I see as normal. And then it normally goes up from there. Now, this is excluding holiday pay. So they kind of get their holiday benefit. And then there's a separate PTO benefit. I would say four to six is the most common that I see for that first year to two years. And then normally there's a bump up after the employee has been in the Practice for two or more years, there's normally a bump up to more PTO days. Um, Sometimes that can go up to 10, sometimes that can go up to 12 or even 14 days, depending upon the practice. Um, I would say if I were you, a practice owner, trying to have a really fantastic PTO policy, what I would do is holiday pay at um, 90 days, and I would do eight. Paid holidays. That's a really attractive um, thing for employees. Then I would do six PTO days that are earned after one year of employment. So as you can see, I'll go a little bit heavier on the um, ho- holiday pay because they get to see the benefit of that right away. And then I make them wait a little bit longer and do a higher PTO. Um, count at that point. So they've been there a year and then they can start accruing those six days of PTO. That would be my recommendation. And then after um, the second year, the second full year of employment, I would bump that up to eight days and I would bump up again after the third year of employment to 10 days. And then that's where I would cap out. I feel like that's a really generous PTO and holiday plan, but it is also one that is hopefully going to help you retain employees and they see the benefit of that. The other question that I get quite often is what to do about team meetings and um, trainings and things like that. So Team meetings, technically, you are required to pay your employees for any team meeting that they are required to attend. So if you schedule a lunch meeting and you consume that lunch period, you cannot ask them to clock out. Technically, they need to be able to remain clocked in because you required them to be at that team meeting. Doesn't matter if you've provided lunch or or not, you still have to pay their hourly wages. If you require a training, meaning you are sending them off to a course or you are asking them to watch a bunch of things online that you've sent them, technically that is a required training and you should ultimately pay the employee for that training. If it is an elective or optional training, then you do not have to pay the employee for that training period of time. At that point, it is on the employee. If they want to pursue the training, then great. They're not going to be paid for it, but it will benefit them from a performance standpoint, and you do not have to worry about paying them for that. Those are probably the most common HR questions that I get. PTO, holiday pay, and then paid meetings and paid training. I'm hoping that this information helps you, especially as we are sitting today on another holiday. Um, if you haven't evaluated your holiday and PTO time Um, lately, I think it is another great opportunity to do that. And of course, hopefully the meeting and training information will guide you as you schedule meetings and trainings in the days ahead. I wish you all a very happy 4th of July and hope that you come back refreshed and ready to tackle another week. Thanks for joining the conversation today. We hope that you are comforted in knowing that you are not alone but we also hope that you're walking away with some really great tips and tricks to try in your practice. We value your feedback. So please take a few moments to rate and review the podcast. Finally, we want to make sure that we're covering the topics that matter to you. So track us down on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and let us know what topics you want us to cover. As always, please know that we are rooting for you today as you manage your dental drama.